Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacob. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show, where a pigeon was sold for over a million pounds. Quite not incredible. on the show. No, 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 that's why we did have an auction. Uh, Armando, its name is, and uh, there are reasons for it, and it was all explained. Uh, which you're here. Um, we had a bit of a chat about various matters, including Kenny G. And it's um, International Week, so it was the British Kebab Championship. You might want to get closer to the mic. International Week, British Kebab Championship. <laughs> I said, Mum, it's the inter. <laughs> Mum, it's the International Kebab Champion. It was, yeah. And uh, well, they're not international. It's the British Kebab Awards. But yeah. thank you, Andy. And we were joined in the studio <laughs> by uh, Brendan O'Carroll and Jennifer Gibney, his uh, his real life wife and his daughter in Mrs Brown's Boys. It was Mrs Brown himself, herself, with his wife slash daughter. And it'll all make sense. One of the show's anecdotes explained as well. And, uh, yeah, Andy Jacobs uh, finally fessed up to an appalling act, uh, which uh, which you'll hear right now. See how shiny Goffy is? Look, I told you, that's why you need that compact. Look at him. OK. <laughs> I do hate International Week. I don't mind when it actually gets to the games, but the early part of the week and the early part of next week. So, it's just... There has been a few stories, though, including uh, your own fine club, Callum Hudson-Odoi getting a senior call-up. I was thinking that was a nice fare for the cabbie. I don't know if they use a local firm <laughs> picking up a Callum from uh, Stamford Bridge, taking him down to uh, Somerset, Roger Rodge, and then he's just pulling away, our mate. Yeah. He's just pulling away in his, uh, his Prius. <laughs> they say, turn round, he's got to go to Burton. It's yeah. like, oh, wow. It's a little bit of gravy, it just, isn't it? It, it just says expected. everything about Sarri, you know. It says everything about his attitude. Yeah. I mean, what did I say to you in pre-season? I said to you, the best player in pre-season for Chelsea has been Callum Hudson-Odoi. He's got yeah. to play. Yeah. I was saying that before Bayern came in. I mean, if I know this, you know, I know my job's not on the line. Well, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> you say that now. I'll say that. Yeah. But, no, you know, I mean... Play the boy, just play him. You know, give him, give him a start in the Premier League. You know, there's a new Are you course. If he's good enough, he's old enough. You're going to coin that phrase that we've not. Look, he can't play every time. game. There'll be a period when you have to take all youngsters need taking out the firing line a bit when yeah. they've played maybe 10, 12 games. Yeah, that's fine. You know, but don't just always just. So it's always like the last ten minutes, or yeah. you know, a Europa League fixture doesn't mean anything. You know, give the boy a chance. I don't. You know, Pedro and William, they're going to be gone. They're definitely going to, you know, they're coming to the end of their careers. This boy, you've got a chance of keeping him if you play him in every game. It shows that he, now he's been picked for England. It'll encourage him to stay. I'm slightly concerned, though, because he's not going to know what to do. Because if he comes on as a sub and he's not coming on for Pedro or William, he's going to be a bit confused, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> Who's this bloke? It's probably true. Who's this English Just fella? ignore him as he walks yeah, past him on the way. he's not going to quite know what to yeah. do. But there's a new university course that pushes the idea that having life experience before sport is a good idea for yeah. coaches. And they quote that Maurizio Sarri used to be a banker. Yeah. Well, I say Careful. no more. I say no more. Yeah. But he should have stuck to it, really. I think it might have been a better idea. Still, it worked in... A friend of mine asked me last week, why did it work in Napoli? And uh, why did it not? Why is it not working here? And it was about a nine-message thread, so I won't bother to bore you with it, but it was, yeah. a, it was a long, involved explanation. But I just think it's different. Serie A is, is different. Um, anyway, I did watch... Uh, I watched um, Food Uncovered because I couldn't find any sport. That's every- sounds, that sounds like a health and safety nightmare. You I mean, should leave food uncovered. <laughs> it was everything you want to know about macaroons. 
Oh, was it really? <laughs> I suppose so, yes. And you missed that uh, fine series with Harry Redknapp and the boys I last know, night? I can't watch believe that. it. Then we watched uh, Celebrity Undercover Boss USA. Okay. That you watched some quality stuff. Oh, that is was food good. uncovered. It's so you a, get blue bottles on it. No, it's uh, it's a programme. All It's very interesting. It's all about the food you eat and the sort of the myths. and. I don't eat macaroons. It would have been lost on me. Well, I don't eat macaroons, really. Well, what did you watch it for, then? <laughs> it was just about... A complete me. waste of time, that was. <laughs> I think it's also about what happens, what's going to happen to our food after Brexit. So, you know. Oh, OK, fair enough. It's yes, quite so topical. reasonably important and topical, yeah. Um, Undercover Boss USA. Yeah. We, Is this the thing your wife watches but only watches the <laughs> first two minutes off to, yeah. uh, to look at the bloke and then she comes she doesn't watch the whole show no. she just comes back for the reveal we, we did watch the whole thing it was uh, do, you, have you, do you remember a band called Hootie and the Blowfish oh yeah 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 I didn't really know that much about him I mean, it was him Darius Rucker and he was uh, the, the lead singer it was good actually it was uh, I was, well, I was, admit, I was most of the was band didn't they recognise him <laughs> no <laughs> he was he worked with sort of a music he was a he was a um what do you call a bloke that carried... Oh, Roadie. Roadie, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the word you're good, good, good. I'm glad we got the cameras on. I was doing yeah. the old action. Of picking up suitcases. Yeah, I, brought my, uh, I brought my compact in today. I thought I looked a bit shiny yesterday. Really? Uh, Andy, one of the things he carries in... What's in Andy's bag? The occasional feature we do when we feel that we might catch him unawares. He carries... I showed a camera too. We can actually... Yeah, yeah. No, where is camera two? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> that one over yeah, there. It, yeah. Uh, this is not on telly, by the way. You're, you're just showing a piece of makeup to nothing in particular. Um... But Andy does carry round a compact because mm. he feels... He, you've never struck me as someone who's shiny. I am quite shiny. Really? I've not noticed that. Yeah. You don't have a chin. I've noticed the producer's quite shiny. I might get him one. Oh, we had a nice moment yesterday with Paul Carrick. We forgot to mention it on air. Paul Carrick, um, he, he came in to take a, a picture to our producer, Joan Cardigan. And, um, and Paul Carrick turned around and said, Oh, blimey. He said, for a minute, there, I thought it was Pat Nevin. Oh yes, and we've realised he's got the look of he has got the look of a young, a shiny Pat Nevin. Pat Nevin. No, not, <laughs> I, I forgot to me I forgot to mention last week on the train shininess where there isn't shininess <laughs> on the train going down to uh, Cheltenham. Cheltenham last That's week, it, yeah. yeah. Um, John was sitting by the window, and I noticed that he kept surreptitiously trying to arrange his hair into kind of you know a Pat Nevin look. <laughs> well, not so much, but more of a cover up. So I, I made the point that you know perhaps he was starting to recede a bit, but he said this his family, they've all got high foreheads. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. sticking to the high forehead situation. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair I, I, enough. I think really. it'd be all right if you have the old... <laughs> anyway, do you see that picture of Donald Trump in cricket We've... gear? Oh, yeah, uh, Donald Trump in cricket gear? No, I didn't. It hangs in his bar in Mar... Uh, not in his bar, in the bar of his place in Mar del Lago. I think yeah. that's his sort of famous... Look, absolutely in the cricket stuff. Look, they're in whites, cricket sweater, cricket yeah. whites. I, think, I was thinking, if he met Joe Root, would he call him Joe Cricketer? Or would he call Ian Botham, Ian Ashes? <laughs> I think you might, might do, might yeah. do, it's possible. We've got a bit of cricket chat coming up later on. We have got a report from the British Kebab Awards, uh, which took place last night. It was quite show busy, quite a starry, mm, starry event. There. And yeah. uh, we'll be looking at some of the categories. You know who promoted it, don't you? Who was that? Donna King. Oh, Thank you very much. Yeah, let's not have any more of those. We were just doing a few of those in the meeting, I think. I'm not sure. I know. I think the award started at 11.30 and went on to 3. Because obviously no one would have fancied anything to eat until then, would they? They all came straight from that's the pub. That's right, yeah. And the awards only started when everybody had got back from uh, the pub. Uh, good. When the O'Carrolls come in, will Andy keep his hands <laughs> to himself? We're going to talk about that. Says Roger. Yes. <laughs> well remembered, enough, Roger. Uh, we will be telling that story a little bit later on, because uh, I don't think uh, Jenny has ever got over it, has she, really? Well, no, uh, she didn't take action. No, well, she could have done that. <laughs> she I, done. I know it was a complete accident. No, I agree. A few she, people she, have she, tried that recently. She could have done I could have been in trouble, I agree. Anyway, we'll explain all later on. Hopefully, Brendan will see the funny side, not get you by the throat. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, it's Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. We're off to St George's to talk a bit of England, speak to our man in the camp out of the two Euro qualifiers. Uh, also, we'll find out why a pigeon, a Belgian pigeon, has sold for over one million. It's going straight to stud, apparently. Is it? His flying days are over. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's where the value is. That's right, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, I didn't um, realise. I wondered if... It, I thought it might be a touch of that. It was... A, they, they, The owner of it, I was listening to an interview with him. I've got right into this story. I was listening to his International Week, so I did a ten-minute interview with the owner of a pigeon. I don't I don't even know how uh, pigeons reproduce, to be really honest. Well, when... <laughs> basically, when uh, a boy pigeon and a girl pigeon are very much in love, Andy... It happens. I'll draw you a picture. OK, yeah. Yeah, it's, much, it's kind of much like anything yeah, else. Okay. I'll tell you what, you might put a little bit of this music on. OK. 
<laughs> two pigeons there in the old loft. Very romantic. They've got a loft yeah. apartment. You can afford one for a million quid. Have a loft over looking Central Park. Yeah. God, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, I was... Uh, our old mate Mark Leach, the photographer, was in recently. Yeah. And apropos of nothing, I think he was... I don't know how this came up. But apparently, um, Mark was saying, when um, Glenn Hoddle called in Gaza back uh, just before the 98 World Cup, and had to break the news that he wasn't being the squad. Mm. Glenn put a bit of Kenny G on. Oh, no. Now, I know he, he does like a bit of soft rock, and so I'd imagine Glenn would have been listening. It was a good chance it was just on in the room. Yeah. But it was kind of, you know, to soothe Gazza when he was going to break. Can you break? It didn't work, did it? Can you break any bad news with this music on? I mean, so you're listening to Kenny G, and yeah. you can just sort of say, well, I'm afraid you're... I'm, I'm, I can't give you a new contract. I mean, if you're a manager and you've got to call someone in, so we're letting you go. You know, we're letting you go to uh, Shrewsbury for fifty-five. Send, send, this, send this tape to Bruce Buck. He can put it on. Yeah, that's it. That we can. Yeah, yeah send Bring it to him. And, sorry, uh, come in, Maurizio. Why are you playing Kenny G? It'd be a red flag for any manager who's not having a good time now, won't it? It's Works true. for me. Yeah. Now you wanted some French cricketers, so I've given a bit of thought. Oh yeah. I, I came up with the umpire and former Australian fast bowler Paul Eiffel. Oh, that's very good. Like uh, that, yeah. Louvre Vincent, who used to play for uh, New Zealand. And this one I'm particularly pleased with, the Australian off-spinner Nathan Leon. That's, that's very good. Uh, I'm quite taken with Tony and Felix, though, who goes for Sailor VVS Laxman. <laughs> oh, come on. Well done, <laughs> Tony. Good. Excellent. Do Gary Sobers, says <clears throat> oh, Lee Holland. That's, that's sensational. very good. Um, uh, Mushtaq. Uh, Arc de Triomphe Med doesn't quite work. <laughs> that doesn't work. Real at all. Uh, Alan Bordeaux, what a great player he was. Well, the great Australian yeah. captain, yeah, Alan Bordeaux, says Alan Roger Bordeaux, Clifford. Yeah, yeah. Roger's come back with uh, Jacques Calais. That's very good, Roger. <laughs> very good. Roger Clifford on, on, on fire. Uh, I think they have a silly mid earth. Uh, in uh, French cricket, <laughs> thank says, you very uh, much. Ian. So thank you very much for that. You can keep those coming. Oh, that's good. Now, I love, you know, you caught me chatting to Dan Wooten the other day, the executive editor of The Sun. You love a bit of showbiz goss. Well, we do like a bit of showbiz goss, me yeah. and Dan. Yeah. And uh, I love his pieces on the Beckhams. He mm. seems to have a hotline to the family. It's sensational. Yeah. Uh, for example, today, uh, in today's Sun, he's got Stranger Things actress Millie Bobby Brown is dating Romeo Beckham, which is nice, isn't it? But this is the bit I like. He just goes on to tell us all about it. And he says, Millie was first introduced to the Beckhams at the UNICEF's 70th anniversary gala in December 2016 when she interviewed Romeo's dad, ex-footballer David, 43. Really? I thought it was a carpet fitter. <laughs> Who knew? You used to be a carpet fitter, didn't you, Andy? I did. I do you think the... you've still got it? Could you go back on the tools at this late well, stage? Was, uh, you remember I got it. I didn't do this on the show, but I got injured last week. I was demonstrating to Paul Jiggins in, the, in a pub that we were in in Winchcombe. Yeah. Yeah. About how I used to do the carpet fitting. I used to knee it. You know, you, yeah. you have to sort of get it to... Knee the old carpet into the corner. Is that what you yeah. did? Yeah. Do they still use But I was demonstrating board? to him and I need the table. I was like, I couldn't walk the next day. But, you know, these I can't happen. think of anybody less likely to be a carpet fitter slash on the tools than you. <laughs> no, I can't either. I just, you turn It up. wasn't a long career. I have to say it was you know, just the once. <laughs> you only, you laid one... <laughs> I did you the double one, You laid one you carpet as the old gag goes. <laughs> and they never forget it, do they? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I like, you're talking about... Tam oh, God, I've got to keep my hand away from that double bass thing. Yeah. Um, in Harry's game... No, it wasn't called that. Harry's Heroes. Harry's Heroes. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry's... There was a sort of... We may bring you someone who's been on it, but I think everybody who's been on it has been on. <laughs> it's been on the station so already. We'll keep working. Now, where it. is this bit? Well, I was trying to find it. I can't find it. Absolutely You're listening classic. to TalkSport. Andy's lost the plot once <laughs> Yeah, here we go. Well, there's nothing, no change there whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Um, in their heyday, Ray Parler, 46, claims uh, members of the 1980s Arsenal Drinking Club would sink 30 to 40 pints a week. Yeah, he says on the show, yeah. yeah. Seaman, Dave Seaman, who's on with Alan tomorrow morning, mm. uh, used to devour, devour a ham and cheese omelette with beans. I mean, it's only in a ham and cheese omelette. You just eat it. You don't really devour an omelette. Well, devour is not a word often used um, uh, in a tabloid. The words you use in a tabloid, somebody's not done their mm. Course, you uh, tuck into yes. in a tabloid, tucked into Feasted. an omelet. You feast on, or you scoff. They're the three That's things true. you do in a tabloid. Newspaper I mean, Ian Wright uh, yeah. only enjoyed fillet steak with fried eggs, and but Matt Letissier used to gobble 
<laughs> gobble up two sausage and egg muffins. Well, did not he really? muffins, just muffins. I don't know if they're the same ones. The uh, well, Mark Burcham told us last week he would have um, spaghetti hoops on toast, but he was playing for QBR. <laughs> That's very true. He'd always have the same thing. I was intrigued by this. On the run, UK robbery suspect Owen Walcott has been arrested in Bulgaria, oh, yeah. where he used up to 53 different personas. I think, were any of them Theo? No, prob- probably, <laughs> probably not. not. I wouldn't no, think so. Have you seen that statue that's been built? That's been they're not built. They're not really built. Are they? They're sort of <laughs> sculpted. You do paint yourself into <laughs> linguistic corners for no apparent reason, and there's no expectation. My new show, linguistic there's, corners. There's no expect. My new album, linguistic corners. But there's no need for you to get yourself out of them. You haven't got deca. Andy, we know you've you've just cocked up. We're used to it. It's true. Yeah. Uh, UK's biggest statue, but I don't think it looks anything like Paula Radcliffe. This I is what's been suggested. They say well, it's Paula Radcliffe's famous on the London, famous squat on the uh, in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I can't see it. Are myself. you quite taken with it as a piece, Andy? I mean, it's all right. The sculpture, you like it? It's okay. Not too bad. Um, did you see that uh, Tom hmm. Heaton, when he was injured, uh, decided to get busy, and uh, it was quite good. He he designed. Uh, his new house got very involved in the project management and oh, design okay. of his new house. That's good. Well, maybe that's a future thing for him when he packs in. So, and he also, while he was there, started to design goalkeeping gloves. Well, that's a, that's a combination of art. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I, I, but it just struck me that if, if you're oh, looking they got for sort a of wallpaper backs, so are they sort of oh, like no, Laura I, I Ashley there was, style there was gloves? No, there's no link. But I'm just thinking that if you're at a, a, a Burnley game and you can't think of what to sing, you could either sing. He designed his own house, Tom. <laughs> or you could sing, he designed his own gloves. You could give him a bit of that. I don't know what he he's making. Well, it's quite a positive song, isn't it? I think he'd just probably give, turn around and give you a thumbs up. And he would. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be pleased yeah, that's about that. Yeah. Have we got Pele? Has he come over to the new building for a T20 birthday spread? Yeah, we'll find yeah, that. This is going to be exciting. I think Pele would have travelled with us. Well, I think we brought him in a case, but I'm not sure he might, if we've installed him. Pele in a case? That's very poor. Well, a man in his <laughs> 70s. Uh, what about Graham String of Onion? says Ben the Spurs fan <laughs> talking to Spurs fans the rank profiteering oh, yeah. by some of my fellow Spurs fans a suggestion that I mean I've not actually seen any for sale but there are stories suggesting today that people are trying to get 1200 quid for a pair of tickets for the first game uh, against uh, Palace it looks like Pelé has come with us. I was going to ask John Cadigan our producer to come in and do the honours as Pelé okay. I thought he could sing quite well but this is this is better ok have you got a birthday spread I have. I'll it's, come back to Tottenham in a it's minute. a birthday spread yeah. it's, um, this is the part of the show where I ask you to guess now, I don't know why I'm explaining but I, I think you often feel I've got to try should. and guess at someone's age and there's a, there's a, a kind of margin uh, a kind of spread you'll give me yeah this one's quite tricky I think I'll give you ten so, so I could be, be ten any, out on ten this years one. Okay. out yeah here we go we used to do this ten birthdays a day that was mm. the full test match but now we just do the odd T20 yeah, the during odd, the week yeah. or the odd hundred <clears throat> version even shorter even shorter yeah. well I couldn't make it even shorter than one and no. the, <laughs> point be half that yeah. wouldn't work really no. anyway it's a very very happy birthday to yeah, the reverend canon Dr Michael Bordeaux Wow. Founder 1969 and president of the Keston Institute yeah. in Oxford, uh, the Reverend Dr. Michael Bordeaux. That's a lot of titles, a Reverend and a Doctor. Yeah, he's a big West Ham fan. Did you know that? I didn't know. Bordeaux is a claret. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that's... Uh, Wine comment. That's a fact. <laughs> um, 93. Oh, well done. What is he? 85. 85. 85. So I was in the 10 and I won. Uh, what about... Um, what about uh, French cricketers, says Ross, Quinton de Coquevin? <laughs> Very good. It's pretty good, isn't it? Excellent. It's not bad. Keep those coming. Talksport.com. Text like, it's International Week. We're taking all comers. Text 81089. Like, I might as well have a bloke with a double base standing behind me. I can't stop touching this wire. Well, are you drawn to it, Andy? Well, it's unavailable. Like it's unavoidable. It's right where well, my notes touched are. It and mine's in the same well, position you did, as yours. I, I beg to differ. You did touch well, yours once. earlier. Yeah, but I'm not knocking out beats on it. <laughs> <laughs> like you are. That's true. Um, yeah, going back to the, the Spurs profiteering from the... Uh, mm. I'm, I'm actually in the ground this Sunday for the first ever test event. Well, I, I look my forward to your report. My tickets cost me a fiver. I want a grand each for them. No, I don't. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to be in my own seats yeah. um, for the first time. You could give time. us your observations like, as if like when we were well, away. I've only been in there once, of course, oh, yeah. but I do but actually I mean, sit sort in of, my you know, own seats. You know, tape a little... You know, record a little Do you want piece? me to record something? That yeah, might be idea. quite okay. fun. It's for yeah. the Southampton Spurs under-18s uh, for the yeah. first test. 25,000 in there on Sunday. The following 
Saturday. You'll still want Spurs to win. It's funny with these games. You start watching yeah. them and think, oh, I don't care who wins this. But then you, as soon as it's, you know, as soon as the game's on, you think, come on, Spurs. I'll be one of those kind of... The trouble is, oh, you watch the under-18s, you become one of those bores where the, a, a young kid comes on, you know, and they say, oh, yeah, I go and watch the 18, <laughs> under-18s. He's very good, a le- young left-winger. You're one of those blokes, they speak very loudly. I was watching the academy side. Yeah, all right, mate. I do that. I yeah, you honest. do that, you do. <laughs> yeah, I, do. I'm I was the, watching the I'm one of those people. Team. We've got this boy six... He's fantastic. It'll be, you know, you get. I, I was watching Hudson Adore, you know, a couple, at least a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. so you're doing it now, and you're speaking in a very loud voice. And I'll hear, I've been waiting for him to get his first team appearance. <laughs> yes, we have. We've all been waiting this season. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I'm very much looking forward to the first game. And I'm delighted it's Palace, because it should be a great atmosphere for the first mm. game anyway, and it's under lights, which is uh, brilliant. Mm. But. Palace fans. It should be home by at least two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah quite possibly. <laughs> but Palace fans make such a lot of noise, mm. so they're going to add to the atmosphere, I think, on the night. So I think it's a great way to kick it off, actually. Mm. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, and so. no, I think they well, will Well, I'll report back Monday of, uh, of how it all pans out with 25,000 Yeah, try and sample some of the snacks. Oh, I did last time I was here. Food was good, drink was good, oh, it's yeah, excellent. It's and good. Reason, I told you, it's reasonably priced. I was quite shocked. Yeah. I thought the, the chairman's not had his fingers on this. <laughs> it's, all, it's all reasonably priced. I've gone up now. Yeah, I, I think, I think you said we might that. find next season we could see a price hike. But anyway, he kept the season tickets at the same price, so that's a start. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Bailey Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Well, the talk uh, uh, of world sport today is all about Armando, the uh, million pound plus pigeon, of mm. course. Uh, it was sold in China, where they, they don't mind spending lots of money on pigeons. Um, we need a bit of an expert uh, to guide us through this. And uh, we then turn, as we often have in the past, to uh, the CEO of the Royal Pigeon Racing Association, Mr. Ian Evans. Ian, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Yeah, we're yeah, good, thank you. So, good. I mean, it seems that people in the pigeon fraternity were shocked uh, by this $1.5 million figure. Were you shocked? I'm shocked. I'm not quite sure um, because the prices paid for pigeons by the Chinese pigeon races over the last last few years have, have been increasing. Uh, I mean, a few years back, the bar was set at 310,000 euros for a pigeon named Bolt. That's gradually increased around to the half a million mark, and then obviously recently the pigeon Armando has come up for sale and and and, and attracted this kind of high price. So shock probably not, but it, it, these kind of prices. I mean, it's, I think it's fair to say that these kind of prices are, you know, they're not the norm really. And you know, I, I don't want it to sound as if the kind of pigeon sport is not accessible to the mm. to the general public or anybody's interested in it, because that's that's clearly not the case. Why, why are the Chinese prepared to pay so much money? Um. It's a it's a good question. I mean, the the, the prize money I think in in China that they race for is is quite substantial. 
And therefore, what we've seen over recent years is, is, is the Chinese are wealthy enough. They've, they've been purchasing the kind of champions from Western Europe. Um, I presume because they perceive the competition in Western Europe to be perhaps the kind of uh, the highest in, in the pigeon sport throughout the world. Um, and therefore, they buy in these pigeons with a view of taking them back to breed from them, hoping that they pass on their kind of uh, racing characteristics onto their offspring. Do they? I mean, is that proven? Because we know with horse racing, the, the horses go to stud for a very high price, and often they'll produce, you know, champions, sort of, especially if they're, you know, the mum is, is I mean, whoever the parents, both the horses are, I'm getting to right this. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know what you mean, Andy. Yeah. Do they? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Does that, does that yes. work out that way? Um, I, I think it's similar to the horse racing community. I mean, it, like, like, like any kind of livestock or animal, if you buy the best, it increases your chances of reproducing the best. It doesn't give you any guarantees. Same, same as buying a derby winner, you're not guaranteed to, to breed any kind of winners or any anything of note from them. The same thing can happen in the pigeon sport. But obviously, if, if you're buying a pigeon with a successful racing career like Armando, and you compare that to a pigeon with an average racing career, your chances of, of breeding kind of successful top racing pigeons are probably increased quite substantially. Now, he's, he's five years old, Amanda, and they reckon he can keep breeding till he's 10, so he's got five years of good breeding in him. So, I mean, you're not going to recoup all of that money, and this has clearly been paid for sort of prestige. And, and But uh, uh, talking about prize money, it, there was a few stories suggesting that he's unlikely to, to race again, so that probably will be solely from breeding, or, or do you think he will race? Oh, he, de- he definitely won't race. No. Um, if, if he probably liberate him there, Give him his liberty in in China. He'll probably try and head back to Belgium. But um, <laughs> he, they, they, they'll they'll definitely they've definitely bought him to breed from him mm. in terms of you know, as they say, it's, it's not just his children, but it's, it's his grandchildren yeah. as well that they're hoping are going to produce the kind of top pigeons for for him there in China. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's um, it's an interesting story, isn't it? And it's something which has definitely raised the profile and interest in this country. It's going to be a terrible moment when they'll get uh, they'll get Armando home and they'll be having a glass of champagne and there'll be this silence and the guy'll say, "Has anyone seen the cat?" <laughs> 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 I think did let's we lock him in the other room? Let's Armando. What um, what's a typical race? Because we hear a lot about pigeon racing. I mean, Ian, describe us. You know, because obviously it's not a spectator sport, is it? I mean, you can't. Well, it's, it's, see, I don't think it's going to work on telly. It's <laughs> well, a, it might. No, it, it, it's it's not. No, um, a friend of mine describes it as a as a sport that takes a, takes takes place above people's heads and behind closed doors. I suppose. Yeah. And that's, that's probably a good description. But I mean, a typical pigeon race. It can be anything from distances from fifty. The, the shortest are usually around of fifty sixty mile. And then the distances increase gradually where we even race for distances of 700 miles in the UK from Barcelona. So mm. basically the pigeons are taken, are taken, thousands of pigeons at a time are taken to the starting line. So let's say, for example, it's, it, it's the south coast Portsmouth or something and the pigeons are racing back to South Wales. Then the weather dependent, we, we track the weather en route to make sure that the, the, the conditions are favourable. We liberate them, so that's the start of the race. And the pigeons will all then head home to their own individual homes. Now, it's not necessarily the first pigeon home that wins the race because, of course, some pigeons will have to fly further than others to get home. So we plot the distance to the yard from the liberation, the starting line, to the finishing line for each pigeon. And then it's the pigeon with the highest average velocity based on yards per minute that is, that is deemed the winner. Do you have a photo finish? Uh, very, very rare because it's worked out <laughs> for the decimal point of a yard. Wow. So it, it, it can come down to that to being that close. Wow. It's a, it's a it's a light, nice story with him, the the owner of uh, Armando the only the breeder he uh, he's made more money from uh, Armando and a few of his offspring so far than he ever 18 did grand each they whole life of work he worked in an abattoir for his whole life he's retired now and yeah. uh, he's made more from this pigeon than he did in his whole working career. He didn't spare yeah. Armando, is that how he came across it? Well, I, I don't think it was a pigeon abattoir, which sounds like a bit of an indie band, but isn't. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a nice story, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal, isn't it? And uh, let's hope he can enjoy his retirement in, in a bit of luxury now. He's well-deserved for him. Yeah, I imagine he'll keep going. He? he can probably turn out the... I mean, he's doing it for the sport, I'm sure, as much as the money, so he'll probably yeah, keep yeah. trying to turn out the, the next Armando. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. It's not, it's not just the sport. It's, it's more the community involvement as well of being part of a, of a club and, and part of a community, which is, you know, a generous community. That as well, just because we raise millions of pounds for charity. I mean, one of, one of our kind of um, annual events in Blackpool each year has raised over two and three quarter million pounds for charity. So and that's replicated in the pigeon sport all over Western Europe. 
Good stuff. Uh, good to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ian. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for your time. There we are. That's uh, Ian Evans there, the CEO of the Royal Pigeon Racing Association. Maybe good from here on the 17th floor. Well, from the week, we should have our own coop on the roof. <laughs> I think we should. Should we organise that? John, you can look after him. <laughs> well, you think of the people that like Mike Tyson, he, he might pop in, come see our pigeon. Jerry yeah, Jerry will come in. Jerry, Jerry. Jerry. We should have got Jerry on to talk about that. Here, look. Little pigeons. I thought that was tinsel. I was just impersonating... <laughs> That's he does a very good pigeon. He does. He does great impressions. Tremendous. That's right. Yeah. So uh, there we are. So just uh, we mentioned earlier on, that Andy was uh, loath to allow the French to start playing cricket. Um, uh, but uh, you've been suggesting some of the French cricketers already out there. Uh, mm. Moeen Alle says good. David Collins. <laughs> um, where else? Where have we got there? Um, <laughs> Eiffel Gower says Nick the Fish. <laughs> Um, Stuart Brodo says uh, Alan Owen. Um, a breed of Ilias gone down a different route. Jonathan Bevan there. That's yeah, quite good. Uh, Montpellier Panassar from somebody who didn't put their name. <laughs> Son Denny Compton. Phil Dijon Mustard. He was going to turn up always, wasn't he? Capel uh, Dieppe says uh, Jeremy and Barnsley. And Toulouse Latrescothic uh, says <laughs> Peter in Manchester. Very good. Chardonnay Paul. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I wonder if he's bought... Um, he might get into Who's the pigeon racing, mightn't he, Andy? Who? Um, the world's richest man, or Britain's richest oh, man. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I thought you meant Shiv and Ryan Chander, but no, I can't see why he's going to get into <laughs> pigeon <laughs> racing. Get into that. Fine Concentrate, that Andy. I did love your sentence that was never going to end. <laughs> I, I should have just left you to it. Four hours later, Andy couldn't end the sentence and was led from the studio just as the sports bar started. It was like one of Adam's, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. A really tremendous <laughs> question. Wait a minute, that's a long question. <laughs> it's uh, Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Make it a world return to the studio. It's been a good few years since uh, they were here. It has. Uh, it was yeah, ahead of the first series, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. Right ahead yeah. of the first series, which is nearly nine years. God, wow. that long, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, with, yeah, of course, it's uh, Brendan O'Carroll and, uh, and uh, <coughs> forgive me from Mrs. Brown's boys. And last time you came in... Yes. Yeah, what is this incident? Oh, what happened was, <laughs> um, we d we said our thank yous. You were in the office. I think we did a little group picture. Okay. And Annie's, again, a massive fan of the show, so he said, I'd like a little picture on my own with, with uh, Jenny. Jenny Brennan. You, uh, you, you two. So he stood there, and we, were, we could see your backs and Andy's back as well. And for some... Inexplicable reason we've never quite worked out. <laughs> he had his hand on your bum, Jenny. I did. It was just neatly. He was just. But what, it was nice, though, wasn't it? <laughs> really? Well, it was. It was. Yeah. We were standing. That was saying, you. <laughs> we were standing saying, "What's he doing?" I know. What's I that? Was and I was complete. It was a complete. He just. It was like the arms round you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, you've not been traumatised since. Now you know. No, I thought it was Brandon. <laughs> So we've never forgotten it. We thought that's why they've not been back. They've not been back because of Andy. But anyway, thankfully. Absolutely not. That's, yeah. not, that's not the truth. That I said, Andy, make yourself at home. <laughs> really? Five, Thank five you for ba that love. Yeah. Five BAFTAs later, though. Five yeah. BAFTAs later. I'm yeah, honest to go so when you think about it. It's yeah. amazing, isn't it? I mean... It's unbelievable, Andy. You, I'm sure you're not surprised by the success of the show. I am. Are you? More than surprised. I'm, 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 listen, um, I thought... When I started writing Mrs. Brown for a five-minute piece of radio, I didn't even think it would be popular outside Dublin, never mind uh, outside Ireland. Mm. And uh, it, it's taken on a life. I'd love to be able to say I'm so clever, I had a plan. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we were supposed to end up. But actually, you know, I, I tell you what this is about. My mother used to say to me, sometimes success is like disco music. Don't analyse it. Just dance to it. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I'm just dancing. dancing. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Just That's dancing. Good That's it. I, I love the fact that all your family, your close family, fam, people who have married into the family, <laughs> basically everybody in the show is somehow related to you in some ways. Yeah, well, virtually everybody and those who aren't are sleeping with each other. <laughs> 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 and it, it did start out as a live show, Jenny, didn't it? Yes, uh, that we was had it. five yeah. plays, I think, before we ever went on TV. So we were touring, you know, the UK and Ireland and... Non-stop. Non-stop. And then when it's obviously got even bigger now, but and we've been to Australia, New Zealand and... Canada. Canada yeah. with the show. 
But um, yeah, we were doing it live on stage. I think maybe that stood to us because we've been playing the characters mm. for so long that a lot of the, you know, as you know from watching the show, Brendan tends to go off on one or Mrs. Brown does yeah. ad lib. <laughs> but we're used to reacting to that live on stage, yeah. which means we can just go with wherever she goes and uh, hopefully we come out unscathed the other end. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny the way the BBC uh, uh, thing came about because we had a couple of... Uh, production companies and TV companies mm. in looking at the show and saying, oh, this would make a great sitcom, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd sit down and talk to them. And as I'm talking to them, they'd say, and you know who'd be great for this part? And you know who'd be great for that part? Wow. And I'd just say, well, we won't be doing any business. And when Stephen McCrone from the BBC came in and saw the show, um, it was really weird because we didn't know he was in, first mm. of all. And he, very, very Etonian, a very Etonian person. I thought he was a weirdo. Uh, he rode to the stage <laughs> door <laughs> with a friend of his, another Etonian, and the guy from the stage door came up to me. I was getting out of me, me, me drawers, and uh, <laughs> taking me slap off. Yeah. And uh, and the guy from the door came up to me and said to me, "There's two suits downstairs. Want to talk to you?" And I said, "Well, what kind of suits? Like are they internal revenue suits or are they, you know, <laughs> are they bank suits?" They're bank suits. Yeah. And he said, "Well, they're just suits." Yeah. Uh, they must have been Armani suits. So he said, "Showed them up." And they came up and. He came in the dressing room and said, hi, I'm Stephen, and introduced his partner, uh, his, not his partner, but his, his companion, and started chatting away about the show and how much he loved the show, and I'm, I'm not a clue who he is. And I came in at that stage. I'd, yeah, I'm usually ready, ready before yeah. Jenny, but mm. she she got ready before me and came in from her dressing room, and she looked at me and kind of looked at the guys. Caught his eye in the mirror to kind of go, who the hell are these? And I, I, I gave a shrug, and they saw me doing that. They saw me, yeah. I said, oh, sorry, we should, awfully, terribly sorry, we should, we should introduce ourselves. Hmm. Steve McCrum, BBC. Oh. I won't be around the bush. Would you like to make a sitcom? Wow. So I said, yeah, 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 sure. And and he said, really, we would like to do this. I won't, you know, we got to go straight to a, a pilot. And so, so I said, when so I said, what do you think about the cast? Hmm. And he said, oh, I don't think you could work with anybody else. I think it's oh, a okay. wonderful cast. What I you said, wanted to hear? Yeah, I also absolutely. said, what about the language? And he said, what language? <laughs> I said, seriously. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I. The audience are prepared to make that leap. That's an Irish accent and an Irish way of talking. Yeah, I've never known anybody in uh, Irish person who ever said any of those words to actually be uh, offensive. We mm. use them as punctuation marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose in some ways, as, as you were saying, because you'd work the characters. You know, it's so difficult with you do a first series of a sitcom and it doesn't take, and everybody loses their nerve. But the fact you could hit the ground running, you knew these characters, you'd all work together, so I had much more of a chance of success. And than, that's why. We, you yeah. know, because we did it live on stage for so long, and one of the things I'm so proud of Brandon that he stuck to was he said, no, we're not changing what we do in the live show for TV because there's no point then. It's not fair to the audience if they then subsequently come and see us live on stage oh, and it's not what they were expecting. Yeah. Mm. So things like you wanted it filmed in front of a live audience because that's what you feed off. That's what you get the atmosphere from is an audience. So we had the live audience and then it was leaving in any of the mistakes that happen because that's what we do. You have to do in a live show. If somebody's mic goes down in the middle of a show, there's no point in pretending to an arena full of thousands of people that no, my microphone has not broken. Yeah, yeah. He makes it. He'll, one of the sound guys at this stage will knock on the door and he will say, oh, that, say, oh, that must be, that must be yeah. a new microphone for you. And we put it on on stage and carry on. So all of those things that he said, no, that's we have to keep all of that in. Yeah. in, in well, the good TV judgment show. by him because yeah, it, I, I, I think that corpse so. thing and that stuff. Yeah. That, oh, it just gives it a real of feel. It. You know, you're, you're conscious of the fact that people are sitting, a lot of people are sitting at home watching this on their own. And mm. when they see that happening and they're par they feel like they're, they're, they're part of it, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel, it feels a little less lonely. Yeah. I remember when, when I suggested to the producer, he said to me, um, Brendan, he said, I suggest that the sitcom format was invented for a reason. I said, yeah, but let's break it. Mm. And he said, well, if, if it doesn't work, you don't get a TV series. I said, yeah. And but also, does, also even yeah. even not even on TV, but now even if you're in the cinema, if you go to a movie, you wait for the outtakes. And his friend said, why leave the funniest bits of something yeah. on the floor? <laughs> on the floor. Leave yeah. it in and let people enjoy it and see. That's what, you know, it happened. But mm. no in-jokes, no, no in-stuff. It's got to be something that they see, that, that they understand. They know they, what we're laughing yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a musical now then? You're taking yeah. the musical yeah. on the road. Who's, who's written the songs? Uh, I have. Oh, okay, wow. Has. Yeah, eight songs. Uh, well, I've written uh, six of them. Mm. And one was written for us by the script. Yeah. Um, 
And one is a, a ballad, I love ballad, that Jenny gets to sing. Oh, oh nice. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Stop singing it. I don't have to sing it yet. <laughs> have you got a nice voice? Um, I can hold a tune. That's she, right. And she has that husky voice, Andy, that you'd like when you yeah. take your hand off a bubble. Clearly. Last time you were oh, here. Oh, no. Yeah, I, yeah. One of the things I like about the show, and I'm sure you, the musicals will be the same, is the show has heart. I think it really yeah, has I agree. Heart, it has right? warmth. I think it has a warmth. That's what I like about it. You know, and of course, it's funny. And and interestingly enough, and not, I don't think people always realise it, it's quite subversive. Mrs Brown is quite a subversive character. I mean, your comic relief appeal on, <laughs> was completely subversive. I mean, I don't know if they realised what you were doing. You I mean, wanted to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I wouldn't let him. Yeah. Well, the, the whole idea of it again is that, you know, that's Mrs Brown. That's, yeah. she knows she, and uh, it's not even about political correctness or not political correctness. It's about... She's an older woman that just says what comes into her mind. She she wouldn't deliberately say something to hurt somebody. Uh, and as you say, she's got great heart. And anybody who's coming to the musical, I'd, I'd, I'd please ask them to watch for... Uh, Dermot and Buster have a number in it where they, they sing the song and they do a dance uh, along with the song. I'm a huge fan of Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, yeah. And I always felt, when I saw Dermot and Buster acting together, I always felt, they've got that chemistry. They've got that Laurel and Hardy mm. chemistry. So I put in the dance routine and the song as a kind of a tribute to Laurel and Hardy. It is outstanding. It's going to be fantastic. It's outstanding. Yeah. Talk about warmth. It's a it's lovely, lovely uh, song. But yeah. what's great as well, as we know, we're not doing Chicago. We're not no. doing Les yeah. Mis. Yeah, yeah. We're doing a Mrs. Brown's Boys play with songs. With some songs, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you'll be aware that, I mean, you're kind of... The show is is different to an awful lot of the comedy output on British telly, not just on the BBC. And you probably do encounter a little bit of sniffiness now and again, don't you? Yeah, and uh, understandable. I mean, um, look, my, my opinion of it is, first of all, I can only write what I know. Mm. And I grew up with comedy in the 70s and 80s, and that's what I know. Even earlier, 60s. I'll go back as far as... Um, how old are you? So I write about what I know and I write about what makes me laugh and you only hope, hopefully, the audience agree with you. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, comedy started to get a bit snarky. Mm. It started to get a bit, you know, and I thought, you know what? There has to be an audience out there that comedy is left behind. I think that's our audience and, and, and it seems to be. I mean, we have... Yeah. Literally 18 to 80, and it's lovely to see one of the, you know, we've had some snacky reviews and some, you know, and honestly, I don't, uh, you know, people say I don't read them. Mm. I don't read them, but you've no pro, you, you've no choice because people tell you about them. But it's almost them. become mm. fashionable to slate it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But we get, it started with two or three. Yeah, I know. I would say you're built up to a thousand letters now from people whose children have, de um, Either Down syndrome or autistic. or autistic. Yeah. And they're saying that their children are laughing for the first time in context. Mm. Or in some cases, just for the first time. Yeah. Well, you can take all the reviews and round them yeah. up here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's because the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that matters to me. You know, they yeah. say like, especially like a couple of them. I always remember the woman who said that there was one child, um, autistic child in the family, but her journeys were a nightmare because they've other kids as well. Mm -hmm. Because, but now they put the DVD on and. The whole family now go to so many different places because the car journey is not no. as stressful as it was. I mean, you don't need to see That's what somebody... Sweet. And you get to look at me live. <laughs> yeah. How lucky are you? Every morning, <laughs> it's amazing. Is, is Winnie in the uh, musical? Oh, she oh, is God. indeed. Yeah. I love, I love oh, God, Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> Their relationship is absolutely brilliant. Well, it's yeah, great chemistry. And, and the funny thing is, because we're, we're brother and sister, Mm. So uh, she's my eldest oh, sister. Yeah. So that so that works out well, and we've we've been having that kind of relationship for uh, for years. And Agnes is that kind of friend that Winnie needs, and Winnie is that kind of friend that Agnes needs. Um, it's so a lovely relationship. It yeah. is, yeah. It is it's nice. Brilliant. So uh, we can catch you all right across the country, uh, from starting off in Glasgow, Newcastle, Manchester, Nottingham, Cardiff, Birmingham, Leeds, London. Belfast and Liverpool and Sheffield and Dublin as well and all around the Mrs Browns is back as well. Yes, yeah, 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 it, comes it back starts on, on Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Comes, comes back on Saturday. We've got some great guests. We start out with Terry Hatcher from from uh, Desperate Housewives. And the lovely uh, Anna Freel. Oh, Anna wow. Freel, beautiful yeah. actress. With long, and Anna Freel brought her mother along who's even nicer than Anna if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Terry Hatcher was great fun because she's obviously got off the plane from America and had and a And we've Rob Beckett on, on, of course. Rob Beckett <laughs> was Beckett, great he's a, fun. He's hilarious in it. 
Good stuff. Um, so, mrsbrandboys.com, uh, that will give you all the details for the tickets. And then um, Mrs. Brown's Boys official on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Look, lovely to see you both again. Hey, and you too, and we're gonna, We will have a photograph, and I'll be watching him, don't worry. <laughs> 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 oh, I'll tell you what, just no, no time hands. I put my yeah. hand on your bum. It's <laughs> a very dis- <laughs> different landscape from nine years ago. Just try and be disciplined. Yeah, behave yourself. Lovely to see you both. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Brendan and Jenny. It's Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on Talk. Sport. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. Now, I think it's fair to say during uh, international weeks or mm. fortnights as they are now, we cast the net a touch wider, so you will get some uh, crackpot records. One you won't hear uh, from today is this one, although we did a toy with it. People from 53 countries set a world record for the most nationalities in a group hug. That's sweet, isn't it? In the home city of Gloucester. It's lovely that Gloucester mm. is, is kind of embraces uh, all cultures and creeds, really, but um, we decided that wasn't sport. No. But we did feel, we mm. did feel that we couldn't let the British Kebab Awards, uh, competitive uh, kebab judging, uh, go by without a mention, especially yeah, when... It's a uh, bit like ice skating or, or gymnastics. It's subjective, you know. Yeah, it is. Well, I've, that's not a comparison that's often made, <laughs> but um, no less a person than Jerry Corbyn. Uh, turned well, up. Fair enough. Uh, a vegetarian who doesn't drink, but that proves what a brawl he does. like a falafel. The uh, the modern uh, kebab uh, restaurant is. Joining us now to tell us more about it, the founder of the British Kebab Awards, Ibrahim uh, Doish. Good afternoon, Ibrahim. Good afternoon. So, uh, how did this? I didn't know there was a kind of governing body. Who? Where did this idea come from? Your great vision. Uh, I mean, um, I was a young kid when I started working for a kebab restaurant in Mayfair. Uh, washing dishes at the age of around 14 right. in 1994. Um, and uh, I worked in the industry for years. Uh, then I, I always realized, look, this is a, a, an industry where people are working so hard. It's contributing a lot to the British economy. And it's, it's a staple. It's a part of uh, the cu- culture society now. But it's not been appreciated much uh, by the media, by the government officials, by the public, and so on. So uh, I thought the best way forward would be to start up an award ceremony and bring everyone together everyone that is involved in the industry, from customers um, to the um, entrepreneurs, from politicians to the journalists, to make a difference. And that's how it all came, up, uh, came out about. I think it's a good idea. And Mayfair, of course, not synonymous with kebab shops, I no. think, generally. But, uh, uh, no. Or restaurants. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a restaurant that... Uh, yeah. I mean, so it, you, you, you covered takeaways, you covered delivery, you have kind of a fine dining, actually the fine dining place not far from where I live and my son's been there so Mm. he gave it the thumbs up so obviously um, a lot of people did as well. So who are the the judging panel? Is it the great British public or do you have experts? Um, What we do is we have experts on the panel, uh, judging panel, we have members of parliament on the panel, we have people from the business community on the panel Um, we have the trade unionists on the panel um, so we had entrepreneurs and innovators who have been working within the industry for a decade uh, on the panel. But we had a public vote um, to get people through the shortlist um, to, because we get thousands of nominations yeah. um, for each category. Uh, and it's a great uh, award because if a business wins one of our awards, it is very likely that they get a great publicity and their turnover increases. So businesses do put a lot of effort into getting shortlisted, into getting um, to the finals and into winning an award. Do they have cat? Do you have categories like the, is there the best donor, the best sheesh, best uh, kofta? No, we don't need do, yeah. like itemized dishes, mm. but we have best value restaurant category, best customer service category. We have the fine dining, we have best takeaway in London. Uh, we have kebab man of the year category, oh. um, and we, we, this year we introduced a sustainability award um, for a business that is uh, plastic free um, that is trying very hard to be environmentally friendly business as well. So, because um, it does get, as an industry, it does get a bit of a bum rap, doesn't it? You know, often they, they put these kind of TV shows on about sort of restaurants that are being checked out by health inspectors. And they'll yeah. often they'll often find a, a maybe a rogue kebab house that gets less than five but stars. Any, so, any cuisine, any cuisine, sure. I mean, from the curry houses to kebab, from pizza places to fish and chips, any of our you know, small players within the industry, um, will, you know, at some point you will have uh, bad ones, you will have those who are not paying attention to their businesses. But it's a very tiny minority within any of our industries. Majority of our um, business owners, majority of our worker, you know, workforce within the business community is doing a great job, I think. When you present an award, do you, do you say to the recipient, do you want chilli sauce with that? <laughs> well, I suppose... We don't do that, but we should maybe... maybe yeah, do quite good. Especially, I think what, what did people eat last night at the awards? What was, on, <laughs> what was the, what did the, what was the That's meal? That's a good point. We had meze and uh, kebab uh, as a main course. 
Meze, you know, Istanbul style, yes. different dishes from uh, Eastern Mediterranean, sort of Kurdish, Turkish, uh, yeah. Meze style in, in, in the start. But then we had some nice kebab for main course. This year, nobody complained about our food. No, no, of course they wouldn't. Absolutely. I'm sure they wouldn't. What's, um, what is still the biggest seller? I see I've moved away. I've moved away from the Donna, although I passed in 11, 12 o'clock at night when I've had a few. I tell you what I, I like, about, what I like the about the Donna is it's, it's the fastest of fast food. You know, whereas the other two, the kofta and the shish, you have to kind of wait for them to be cooked. Yeah. Whereas the donna, if you if you go to a reliable place, a good place that you know that it's all done and yeah. they, they get through, they get through it very quickly. It's it's when it's hanging up there for a couple of weeks. Well, I don't think that ever happens. And that's a fa- that's a fallacy that Ibrahim will put to bed. I'm sure it doesn't sit up there for a couple of weeks, that's does it? Exaggeration. We've done we've done a survey um, through Servation, one of the polling companies, and they identified. I mean, they surveyed about over a thousand people in January. And lamb donut kebab is still the favorite national dish in terms of kebab dishes. Oh. But the kebab, kebab cuisine, kebab industry has transformed in a way. It's changed a lot. So you have more sit-down restaurants than uh, late-night takeaways now. So it's, it's changing. It's, it's moving towards a new sort of industry. Uh, and we still have a very strong section within our industry uh, for the late-night uh, donut kebab and other uh, dishes on our menus. I should have, if I'd known, I would have given a, a, a vote for my old local place where I used to live, Has Kebab, mm. or Big Has working there. I've been serving for, my uh, for many one years. My was Andy's Kebabs. That wasn't nothing to do with you, was it? No. Fantastic. That was terrific. Marvellous. So, well, look, more power to you, Ibrahim. This is a, it's a, it's a great you. idea. As you say, it's part of British cultural life, isn't it, really? Yeah. It is. And, um, it, and it's, 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 it's contributing to our economy a lot. I mean, it's £2.8 billion pounds, um, contribution a year. Wow. Which cannot be sort of overseen or neglected anymore. I mean, in past, our, our industry was quite fragile, was not organized, it was disorganized in a way. Because it was disorganized, you know, government or the officials were not paying much attention to our industry. Now we're getting organized, and the contribution is over you know, 2.8 billion pounds, and it's, it's providing a t- tens of thousands of jobs to a lot of people in the, across the country. So I think uh, an interest is growing amongst our, um, our decision makers towards our industry now. Fantastic. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's uh, Ibrahim Dervish, who is the organiser and the founder of the British uh, Kebab. Or do you want some kebab stats, Andy? I want to see oh, yeah, you get on, on with yeah, these. Yeah, on. Uh, here we go then. Um, I think I can give you these. How many, uh, how, many more, how many kebabs are sold across the UK? Is this uh, part of the Just Eat? <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> more, how many, I can tell how many roughly yeah. kebabs are sold across Britain uh, every day? Oh, Wow. Um, Don't say ten. No, I'd, two million. No, not as many as that. One point three million. Okay, and you'd be yeah. right up there. How many kebab outlets are there across the UK, Andy? Um, Five thousand. No, it's twenty thousand. Wow. Yeah, this is for the fridge freezer. This one. Okay. Um, how many tons of lamb and chicken, Donna, do you think get sold every week? Ooh, that's difficult, isn't it? Difficult. I yeah. Know. Thousand tons, two thousand five hundred tons. Mm, I'm in the what ballpark. That? Yeah, that's not bad. A combined turnover of seven hundred and fifty million pounds. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four p.m. on Talksport. So there we are. Um, we're back tomorrow from one. Until then, have a fine evening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.